Have you struggled to reframe your business over the past year? If so, you're not alone. If there's one thing we know, it's that change is constant, and now, faster. ThinkLab spent six months exploring B2B business development in this new digital era, and we've used our findings to develop this season of the podcast. Now, in each episode, you'll hear us tackle one key challenge from our research. First up, networking in this increasingly digital era. Networking is going to have to be a lot more. And when you have deals that you need to manage, but you also need to continue to bring in more business, it's causing us to work a lot more hours. Sound familiar? That was Anya Ostry, SVP and broker with CBRE, and participant in our recent hackathon. If you don't know what a hackathon is, it's basically a fancy word for a cross-functional six-month-long workshop where we use design thinking to solve business challenges. Now, this episode consists of three chapters. Each will provide you with a unique lens into the evolution of networking in our industry. First, you'll hear inspiration from Guy Geyer, managing partner at FX Collaborative, a leading A&D firm. Then, to break us out of our industry's echo chamber, we'll speak with John Stepper, author of best-selling book, Working Out Loud. And last, but most definitely not least, we'll hear more from Anya with tangible ideas that she's trying. But we want to begin with our central discovery on the topic of networking right up front. Are you ready? In the absence of soccer field chats and in-person happy hours, thought leadership becomes our lead-in. Our industry is shifting from relationships as currency to information as currency. Welcome to season two of Design Nerds Anonymous, the podcast that sparks curiosity at the intersection of business and design. I'm your host, Amanda Schneider, founder and president at ThinkLab, the research division of Sandow Design Group and sister company to media brands you know and love like Interior Design, Metropolis, Lux, and more. At ThinkLab, our passion is sharing inspiration for your business, fuel for your design process, and connections with people and ideas for positive disruption. So, thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. So let's dive into Chapter 1. Our first interviewee and our assistant to setting up this challenge is Guy Geyer, managing partner at A&D firm FX Collaborative. We're about 140 people or so day to day. It's always a little different, but anyway, it's in that neighborhood. So we're not a huge company. I mean, by some definitions, we're a large architectural practice, but I don't consider ourselves large, but we're competing against large firms all the time. Uh, we, we always like to think that we're punching above our weight on everything we do. So, you know, we do have to find ways to be able to do this within the st- structure of our overhead and our expenses and everything else. I have often said that if all of this that happened last year and happened 10 years ago, there would have been a lot of firms that just would have had to close their doors because there there weren't the tools available to continue working. And not just architecture and engineering, for it would have been you know a lot, a lot more companies that are serviced from professional firms that couldn't have kept doing what they're doing. So we're very fortunate that the technology was there. So we were in the process of creating a, a remote working policy anyway, which obviously this pandemic has accelerated the application of um, to 100% work remotely. (laughs) 
But even when we go back, we're going to be in a more of a hybrid situation ourselves in terms of what we ask people to do. So people will not be required to be in five days a week. They will be able to set their own schedules. And while I say that, I know that there's a great desire amongst a lot of our employees and staff to be in the office, to be back together. So we want to create the platform to be able to do that at the same time. But also, I think, change the kind of nature of what we do. I think that the other thing is that the level of acceptance on the client side, on the contracting side, on the vendors and manufacturers of this application of technology has also advanced exponentially. It would not have been possible. We hear resoundingly from nearly everyone, but not everyone, that the future is likely to be hybrid. Pre-pandemic, 40% of travel was business-related. And while many of us do look forward to a glass of wine with a business colleague, maybe in a fancy New York restaurant, the environmental benefits of less travel, as well as the time efficiency gains we've seen, are enough to really rethink the case for business travel. In fact, according to Kate Lister, president of Global Workplace Analytics, 65 to 75% of workers prefer to work in some sort of hybrid fashion moving forward. And even in our local markets, this will affect our balance of in-person and virtual interactions if people aren't just in the office for drop-ins. But a hybrid future will look different than the old normal. What excites me is that I do see that the future is going to be much more of a hybrid world in many ways. We don't anticipate both for our clients and for ourselves going back to the office 100% and going to in-person experiences in general 100%. So there will be some kind of a medium range result that will come out of the experience we've had over the last year. So I I think that the benefit of these virtual presentations and virtual meetings is that it's less complicated to get together because you can do it within a defined period of time and there's no travel involved. There's no need to pull people out of other meetings and find them in the office. It just seems to happen much more easily. And it's fundamentally changing the way we work with contractors. We don't have to be in the field when somebody has an issue. This isn't quite working out the way it was laid out on the plans. Okay, let's do a FaceTime or let's do a virtual meeting. Let's talk about it. We figure it out virtually without us having to get in a taxi or a train and go out to the site and spend 15 minutes figuring out what the problem is. Introducing new products is really the challenge, I think, that uh, faces the the industry going forward. And of course, I'm hopeful that, that, you know, if we go into more of a hybrid world where we'll be both doing virtual and face-to-face, which I have no doubt will be the case soon, um, then there will be advantages of the kind of virtual introductions and then the the, the real-life opportunities as well. I do think that there will be a kind of resurgence of events and and other, you know, in-person type of opportunities to meet. And those, I think, are going to be more focused on, as I said before, the kind of developing new relationships with people that you don't know, as opposed to just monitoring or continuing relationships that you do have. I, I think that the in-person 
events are going to be more focused on broadening your network to new people. But I think even those will happen in a more hybrid way. It, it will make a bigger audience available to the information. But the reality is what the data shows is that more people are attending, more of the public are attending those meetings now that they're in virtual format than they were when they were in person. Because it's easy for me at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night to log on and watch a community board meeting or a planning meeting or whatever it is, as opposed to trying to get down to whatever, you know, whatever the location is. I just love that because I think in this Amazon era where it feels like the design process has had to speed up and had to condense. I love what you're saying. It's less complicated, uh, more time efficient, more defined period of time. Those things really stuck out to me because this says that we can kind of create a new level of intentionality. And, and I know I've heard from a lot of your peers that I've spoken to in the last year that are talking about they're able to really do more things, you know, to do a panel discussion. You would have had to fly to X city and you right. know prep with the other panelists and then get on stage and then there's a happy hour and you know it's a two-day 48-hour affair and now it's a one-hour thing so it sounds like some of this is going to expedite our ability to share information and and make some of those connections which is exciting there's just uh, too much incoming for everybody these days so <clears throat> really the, the the focus of what we've been trying to do is develop more thought leadership pieces and more position papers and white papers and getting things out there or these presentations that I mentioned where there's something of value that we can present to someone and, and their colleagues and position ourselves in that way as opposed to kind of lobbing a shot in there to see what happens. And that's been much more successful. So we're trying to use the knowledge we've gained from previous projects and put those into some kind of package that we can then use to either write articles or make presentations or be on panels or go to conferences and, and try to educate other people. If we're listening carefully, we can clearly hear. Thought leadership becomes the lead-in in this new virtual era. Before we move on to chapter two, we ask Guy for his advice. When he thinks about the flip side of networking or what he wants when reps call on his team. And the answer won't surprise you. Be responsive and getting back to us with answers to questions that we have as quickly as possible and support us in the work that we're trying to do. And I think that in a virtual world, that hopefully might be easier for them to do to alleviate some of the stress that we have in terms of client demands and, and, and such. So. I think that the successful relationships that we've always had with sales reps and manufacturers reps have been those that are the most responsive. They have an attitude of giving as opposed to an attitude of receiving. Hi. Chapter two. All right. So we've heard from Guy about how our world is shifting in this new hybrid era. But as promised, we wanted to bring you some inspiration and expertise from outside our traditional ecosystem. For this episode, inspiration for networking. So with that thought, let's hear from John Stepper on his book and methodology for what he calls working out loud. I'm John Stepper uh, here in New York City, and 
I wrote a book while I was still working inside a big company called Working Out Loud. I had no idea what would happen to that book or to this idea, but ultimately it turned into a method that about 50 or, or 100,000 people have used in 66 countries. And, uh, and it's been a wild ride and it continues to be so. Originally, it was born out of the idea that in the big companies where I worked, and they were, they were fine companies, but over 30 years, you could see there was a tremendous waste of potential, both at the individual and collective level. And I just felt like there had to be a way where I could make the most or of, of what I had to offer. And so what I created was a way where people could make more of their work visible. They could come into contact with others related to goals that they had or work that they had. And in effect, they could, they could create access to more people, knowledge, opportunities through their approach to work, including how they related to other people and how they made their work visible. So in the beginning, it was very much a, a, a kind of a human twist on networking. What's happened since then is the way we do working at lot is in these small peer groups, and it's the interaction with other people using this method that has really, um, has really been the value for people, particularly during the pandemic, where it's not just about networking. It's not just about more activity. It's about kind of meaningful human connection, even on a Zoom call. One of the biggest challenges that a lot of folks are having right now is, is we are an industry, the architecture and design industry and, and the product manufacturers and commercial real estate executives that kind of exist in the ecosystem that surrounds. We are a very relational industry. So we see people at soccer games, we go to happy hours and networking events, and that's where we all connect and we come out with leads and relationships. And I feel like one of the biggest areas no. that we're struggling in this digital era is that networking doesn't happen in the same way. So can you go into a little bit more detail about these these working out loud groups and, and how that helps you build a little tribe and community that we might be able to learn from? A lot of the, the traditions and rituals that we have are gone. Right, you know, networking at a conference, drinks at the office over a certain event, like those kinds of things, and and so the structures and and rituals that we have, uh, we can't rely on anymore. What happens in a circle is four or five people join a small group, and they each with an individual goal that they care about. Right, so this could be in a public circle or it could be in your company, and. They meet for one hour a week over 12 weeks, taking small steps toward their goal. And so if you have four or five people, you have four or five goals. In a circle, you ask yourself three questions. What am I trying to accomplish? Who can help me with that goal? Maybe they have knowledge related to it, experience, lessons learned. And the third question is, what can I contribute to them? Not how do I get them coffee? Not how do I manipulate them or get something from them? But what can I contribute to these people who could be in my network that would be helpful, that would be interesting to them? And over time, you'll develop and deepen relationships with some of those people. And this flipping of networking from I need something from someone else to I have something to offer, it changes your mindset, how you approach it. By the end, by the end, yes, you have a bigger network, 
But what many people discover is there's a lot more that they have to give than they had considered before. And there are many more ways than just the networking drinks at a conference in order to establish a connection with people, a sense of relatedness, trust. Now, as we apply this to our industry, I want you to imagine creating a group with maybe your coworkers, could be non-competitive peers in the industry, or even clients. Imagine what you could do. This is well-worn territory, right? Keith Ferrazzi's written about it. There are many, many, Dale Carnegie wrote about it. Many, many great books about this idea that through a kind of giving first attitude, you can develop trust, relatedness, deeper relationships. What I've tried to do is give you a practical method for actually putting these ideas into practice. What we love about John's methodology is that it creates a practical tool for a new kind of networking, one that involves giving over asking of all of your constituents. Now, whether you work at a large company and want to use this methodology to network your employees in new ways, or maybe you're an individual who wants to try this methodology in your local region, here's John's advice to find out more. I recommend that you join a circle. There is a free version. You can do it on your own. You can learn about that at workingoutloud.com. Or if you're like, no, 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 this, I, I want somebody to hold my hand along the way, uh, you'll find options there. What I would encourage you is, this is really just taking one hour a week to invest in yourself. Chapter three. Now, let's return to the voice that you heard at the beginning of this episode, Anya Ostry. Anya is a powerful force in the LA market and part of CBRE's global occupier advisory team. She was also a participant in our hackathon, and we were so impressed with some of her tangible, practical ideas and her fearlessness to try them. We wanted to share them with you, and we hope you're inspired as well. I believe that the workplace is going to remain hybrid. And part of me hesitates to say that because I make a living on people leasing office space. I think and as it relates to networking, I think that we'll have to be super intentional about how we are networking. And, and what I mean by that is if we do get together, it's going to have to be a group of five to seven people max for probably the next year, maybe 18 months. And these are just my predictions. Nobody's telling me this. I'm just, this is just sort of how I see this going. I remember back prior to the pandemic, as I'm involved in Cornet, Corporate Real Estate um, Executives Network, and we would host end user dinners with 30, 40 people. So there'd be you know, 30, 40 heads of real estate coming to a dinner. I don't see that happening. I mean, it was great for somebody like me because you can network with all these people in a matter of three hours. Now time spent networking is going to have to be a lot more. And when you have deals that you need to manage, but you also need to continue to bring in more business, it's causing us to work a lot more hours. I think the key word here, and one that I'm hearing over and over as we figure out our next normal, is intentionality. And to be intentional means more strategy, and yes, as she said in the beginning, more time. But let's hear from Anya about some of those practical ideas that she's implemented, and maybe you could too. Been hosting virtual coffees throughout the pandemic, probably every six to eight weeks with corporate real estate end users. And I would say, you know, prior to this time, a lot of people would would say to come somewhere in person, it would be too hard because I've got people joining from New York, Chicago, 
Los Angeles. A lot of our sessions will be interactive. So people will be sharing what they're dealing with. And I invite certain speakers to talk about future of their workplace or how they're handling corporate real estate going forward. But what's happening outside of those is people are connecting. So peer to peer. So, but they're doing it with technology. They're doing it with the Zoom or, or, you know, another way that, that we've connected is through Marco Polo messages. And I learned that through the hackathon in the last few weeks discovered Loom. So Loom is, is a video recording service. And I'm now able to send messages to people where, and and this is, I'm using this more for a cold calling type of thing because I'm I'm not calling people on the phone or emailing them and they never see my face. I'm actually using it for people that I've never met before to say, Hey, um, I'm a real person and I'd like to get to know you. And I'd like the opportunity to, to see what a relationship would look like with my team and your firm. The other thing with that's cool about loom, I would say is it avoids always having to have a phone call because sometimes, so even with current clients, you know, you got relationship management is still a huge thing. It's helpful because sometimes there's the requirement of a zoom call just isn't there, but we're doing it because it's kind of what we're, we've become used to. So sometimes if it's just, Hey, I want to show you something, you can even record your screen and say, Hey, this, here's this, here's how you get into this certain technology. And that's sort of where the, the video messages, direct messages, I'm even sending them on LinkedIn. I have come in because I feel like the, on our side of the business, the, the sales cycle is about 24 months from the point that you meet somebody and they hire you and, and you potentially earn revenue. So that's been one of the things is, you know, it made me uncomfortable at first, but I've had to challenge myself and my business partners have, have challenged me like, make yourself uncomfortable. I've definitely had to challenge my, my own confidence <laughs> throughout all of this. But I think, I think that, um, a lot of people are just finding, trying to find a way to connect and trying to find a way to make themselves better Colton uh, Hector, who's an associate on my team, what he does is when he's prospecting, he takes the company's logo and puts it as a Zoom background or maybe a picture that he finds on Google, makes it his Zoom background, takes a photo like smiling with his thumbs up. And, and sends the message to the prospect of, I'm really looking forward to connecting and, and, you know, maybe gives them some information that might be valuable to that prospect, but it's, it's creative. A lot of people have responded and said, Hey, I really like that. A lot of, a lot of people love seeing their company logos. That's what I've learned through this too. (laughs) So whether you're cold calling and trying new technologies or just trying to connect with another human in this digital era. What I love about Anya is that she is trying a lot of new things, and not on her own. You've already heard that she's partnering with colleagues on her internal team, but even if you're a team of one, who within the industry might you be able to partner with? And it's not just all about business. (laughs) What I love about some of her examples is that she's also connecting people with one another. Let's hear another idea from Anya. We also did a virtual pasta making night, which was totally non-related to real estate or or adding, you know, providing information that's valuable for managing your corporate real estate portfolio. This was truly just to connect. And the cool thing about this was we did it on Teams. I partnered with a friend of mine, Kathleen, who works at Herman Miller. And we we did this. We had a 
actual pasta expert. So it's not like we had that pressure of, of doing this, but what was cool is people brought their kids on. And in most situations, we would never have access one to the inside of someone's kitchen. If they're mainly a prospect or maybe a client that's, that's not, you don't have that type of friendship with, but, but we would never met their family members. So that was pretty cool. So talking to my peers, it was interesting to, to see how many people had, had experienced similar frustrations as I have you know, it made me feel for the people that are sort of on an island or maybe not part of a team during this time. Because I think had I sort of been out on my own and not be being pushed and having people to bounce ideas off of in that that team environment, I think I'd really struggle. I felt for those people for sure. The other thing was just, you know, I I enjoyed the creativity because truly I thought I was being relatively creative. And then I went on and some of the other people who participated in the hackathon, I was like, wow, I had never even thought to do something like that. Or, you know, wow, I'd never even heard of this company, but look at all these, these amazing things that they're doing. So it was definitely uh, eye opening for me and it made me see the value of partnering or chasing with maybe an A&D firm or chasing with a furniture vendor manufacturer. And I hope that coming out of that, that opinion was changed because we all sort of stay in our silos a lot. And I think what we need to do is help each other because what we don't realize is that we, everybody's got something to add and when you, and we could all team up in different ways, but sometimes we have blinders on and we just want to stay in our own lane with our own people. I feel like we're all, you know, part of this community and we can all help each other. I, I try to share that as much as possible because I, I think that there's a narrative of, you know, stay in your lane, but, but hopefully, you know, we can sort of break those barriers down. And that's just what we hope Anya has helped you to do. We hope that you've left with tangible ideas to implement in your own business, maybe ideas for partnerships, or just inspiration to partner in new ways and break down industry walls to create a better client experience. As we go back to Anya's quote in the intro, there's simply more to do, yet no more time in the day. A lot of it, to be fair, is just the amount of time that I have in a day. As thought leadership becomes your lead-in, She's looking for ways to provide that data to her clients by applying the information she's getting. But if in your role you're targeting brokers, knowing what brokers like Anya need can be helpful to you in honing your own information as connection approach. There's a way to educate the brokers on here's what we're seeing because we can all have our opinion of we and eh, we think it's going to go like this, but we're not architects and and we're not we're not on the furniture side. So to educate us and say, look, these are some some of our major clients. They're coming back to the office and here's what they're doing. I found that especially the end users that that were on my call last were like, "Wow, can I get a copy of that deck because that was really interesting to make your employees feel safe and confident being in the office." So, that those pieces of information and just just being very occupier focused instead of business development focused, I think is is really important. So as we close out episode one, I want to thank our season two sponsors, 
Mannington Commercial, and Kielhauer. Now, I've played a personal hand in selecting the sponsors for this season. What I love about both of them is that they represent companies that are bringing new techniques and thinking from outside of our industry and applying it to new and exciting things that you're probably hearing and will hear more about from their brands. You'll hear more from them in an upcoming episode, but for now, let's hear from Megan Sherwin, VP of Marketing at Kielhauer, about her key takeaways from this episode. This is Megan Sherwin from Kielhauer, and listening to this episode was a great provocation on the future of networking. This is one of those episodes where it's hard to pull out just one or two learnings because there are some really great insights from all three guests, Anya Ostry, Guy Geyer, and John Stepper. A lot of people are trying to find new ways to connect. This episode talks about networking and relationships in really great detail. So after listening to the episode, my key takeaways that I'm going to consider as I plan out for the next year from the top. Number one, use thought leadership as a lead-in or weigh-in to building relationships. Two, support and be a giver, help and connect others to gain relationship value. Three, be intentional, make yourself uncomfortable, challenge yourself to try new things. Four, leverage and partner with non-competitive peers to add further value. Five, break down industry walls for a better client experience. So that's it. My top five. These sound right to me. It feels like things we know about networking still hold true as it's still relationship-centric, but it's more intentional. It's more thoughtful and a more meaningful value exchange than ever before. Love it. That's it from me. Thank you and take care. And we hope you'll join us for next week's episode as we dive into lead generation, or better put, turning networks and relationships into projects and revenue. Now, as a jumpstart, we're giving you instant access to our coveted U.S. Design Industry Benchmark Report. It's our exclusive, research-backed, state-of-the-interiors industry tool to equip you with formative insights on how you can harness the economic power of design to make data-driven decisions for your business. So, snag it for free. Head over to the report section of thinklab.design. That's our website at thinklab.design and download it today. Before we close, a special thanks in this episode to Hannah Vitti, our audio intern from last season turned producer for all Sandow sister company podcasts, including The Mic from NYC by Design and Deep Green from Metropolis. So if you haven't tuned into those, we invite you to do so. And also thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for the music.